from the number one best-selling author of Life Rescripted. You're now tuning in to the Year of Purpose podcast. I'm Zephan Moses Blacksburg. Zephan Blacksburg here, and I have a good friend of mine, Aurel Moody, and Inc. Magazine called him a high-energy motivator and named him to their prestigious 30 under 30 list, joining people like Mark Zuckerberg, founder of Facebook. Aurel is a best-selling author and has keynoted events across the globe, including venues like the White House. He has been quoted in the New York Times and USA Today, Essence, Yahoo Small Business, and Fox Small Business. He's a frequent contributor to Forbes and has given the TEDx talk on likability. Aurel's podcast, The Art of Likeability, is listened to in over 125 countries. He grew up on welfare in the projects of Brooklyn, New York, where he witnessed those around him being murdered and imprisoned. By applying the principles he will be sharing with you today, he was able to overcome this environment and build a million-dollar business in his 20s. And Aurel, thank you so much for being here. I'm in my 20s. I want to learn how you did it and hear a little bit about your story, and it's awesome to chat with you today. Yeah, man, I'm excited about this. I mean, you know, the background you've been giving me on what you're putting together is just um, absolutely incredible. I'm just uh, honored to be a part of it. Yeah, man, thanks so much. And I'd love to share with people just a little bit about, you know, kind of where you grew up to show that, you know, so many people look at these successful entrepreneurs and they just think that, you know, they woke up one day and everything just kind of clicked. And I know that's not how it works. So maybe just talk a a little bit about what it was like growing up and, you know, where that's led you to now. Yeah, so, you know, one of the things I'll say is, you know, I appreciate you reading the bio and, you know, giving all the highlights. And it's important that people understand those are the highlights. Um, the behind the scenes footage, because I know you're a video guy, so maybe the analogy works well. The behind the scenes footage is way more laborious, way more, you know, that's the, this much that's worked out really well. And there's all of the background that actually allows you to get to that point. Uh, so I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. I grew up in the projects on welfare in the Canarsie uh, area of Brooklyn. Uh, tough area. It, it's the uh, it's the inner city, as you all you know imagine the inner city to be. I saw the first person get uh, shot when I was in junior high school. Second person got killed right in front of my building when I was in high school. Uh, I have four friends that I grew up with, like literally same schooling, same neighborhood. Uh, three of them are dead now uh, due to gun violence and making poor life choices. And I have another friend that goes in and out of jail so much. Um, you know we have to check his. We literally have to check his Facebook to see has he not posted in a while. He's probably back in jail. Has he posted? And so it's um it's kind of unfortunate that that it, it happens that way. So it's very easy for one to look at a a negative background and say, well, here's all of the reasons why I can't be successful. Here's all the reasons why it's it's not for me. And I took a different approach probably through more, and we can go into the depth on why it is, but more through survival, I have to take a different mindset that this is the exact reason why. Um, and I'm a big believer that the that life is like a, a football field. It's an analogy that really helps me that, you know, some of us might start all the way on the other end of the field at the two-yard line. Some of us might start at the 50-yard line. Some of us might start at the one-yard line, one yard away from the touchdown. But we all have to get into the end zone. We all have to do what's necessary. Now, there are some people who can catch a kickoff return and run it back in less than 14 seconds and get a touchdown. And there are some people on the one-yard line who can't get into the end zone. If you don't believe me, ask the Seattle Seahawks during the uh, Super Bowl. You know, so where you start does not dictate if you'll be able to get into the end zone, if you'll be able to succeed, for for lack of a better term. But depending upon how people look at it, will dictate how far they go and how how much they go. So for me, I said, all right, because I'm in the projects, because I'm on welfare, because I have this, this is the reason why. So I was able to get scholarships to go to college that other people couldn't get because I came from a financially struggling background. If I did, uh, if I got involved with things, I started noticing 
Um, and again, that's uh, the likability portion that I didn't know back then. It only happened 10 years after, you know, connecting the dots. But when people see you as that kind of rags to riches potential, they want to see that. They want to bring that out of you. So as long as you're not a person that's going to turn people off or keep them away from you, people actually want to invest in you. People want to see you succeed because they want to be a part of that rags to riches story. So I tried to be as humble as possible, tried to get in touch with as many people as possible, got into uh, Binghamton University in upstate New York, public university, not a big school. Met my mentor there, who was an entrepreneurship professor. Absolutely changed my life. Um, this dude was multimillionaire, uh, CEO of uh, Adirondack Beverages, which is a private label beverage company. And um, he was just, uh, I mean, if, if you've ever read the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad, he was my rich dad. You know, he was the dude that kind of gave me these business ideas, these entrepreneurship ideas. Um, I won a business plan competition that he ran and got $5,000 to start my first company, which was an online housing real estate service. Basically, we helped college students find off-campus housing roommates and sublets. Um, so if you wanted to move off campus, we provided that, you know, did that for four years, made every single mistake in the book. And, that, and that's one of the things that I wish people could get. Your first business is probably not going to be your million dollar business. Right. And everybody thinks they're going to be the exception. And they're not. I just I don't know anyone whose first go at it is the one that changes their life. But the first go at it teaches you more than anything. And it just doing teaches you more. So we had a lot of successes, way more failures, got to exit out of that in um 2008, right before the housing crisis kind of hit. So we lucked out, at least on my end, I lucked out. <laughs> and then from there, started getting into speaking. I mean, I wanted to help more students who came from bad or, or troubled backgrounds. I wanted to help them pull through. So I want, I had this dream. I saw this speaker. He was an amazing speaker, like just like, just crushing it on stage, right? I wasn't even, I wasn't even smart enough, though. I hate this about like the, 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 the question about this. I, people ask me, well, who is that guy? I don't even know. Like I was 19. I was going to an event. Saw him, dude was awesome. I mean, it was just crazy. So I was like, I, I just said to myself, I want to do that for the rest of my life. Like, I just, it was, I've never had the feeling before. I didn't want to be in front of a computer all day. I didn't want to be a programmer or any of that stuff. I wanted to be on the stage. I wanted to be helping people in this huge, emotionally driven, powerful way. And I started speaking to high schools and colleges, just like, you know, basically for free, just to do it. And got really good at it and really understood what makes these, you know, young people tick. And started doing that, and it, it really started taking off. Started doing um, a lot with entrepreneurship and students, and uh, that was the company uh, Extreme Entrepreneurship Tour that we uh, built. We did a half day tour, taking a big tour bus around the country, inspiring students to be entrepreneurs. Um, that company uh, grew into a lot of different you know things, built into a million dollars. Um, had the chance to exit out of that as well. And now I spend my time doing the Art of Likeability and the College Success Program. So it's two different brands. The College Success Program helps uh, students get to and get through college. By, we teach them that effort is everything. And then the Art of Likeability is all of the business lessons that I've learned, the relationship building. How do people you know, get in with people? How do people keep relationships? How do, get, how do you get people to want to help you behind your back without you knowing about it? Um, and teaching people all these things that I've learned that's helped me speak at the White House, speak in Switzerland, speak in, I've spoken in all 48 of the contiguous USA. Still working on Hawaii and Alaska. Uh, spoken in you know other countries, and uh, it's just been um, it's it's absolutely incredible. And I just wish everyone has the ability to uh, experience the same type of uh, trajectory in their lives as well. Oh, absolutely. And I think if anyone is to set the example, you are one of the perfect examples of it doesn't really matter where you come from. It really just matters where you want to go and how hard you work to get there. Absolutely. And I think one of the big key points that I, I like to pull out of what you were just saying is that 
you didn't have to follow one path, right? Like so many people are raised to think, well, here's the thing you went to college for. And so you're going to get a job in that and, you know, see in 40 years or 50 years. And, you know, that was almost like the, the misconception that I think I was raised with was I thought like I had to just start this one path. And so it's really great to hear that, you know, you were able to build multiple businesses, make them successful and exit out of them uh, with, you know, good timing. And that allowed you you to position yourself, you know, to really do the things you wanted to do. Um, so that's really awesome to hear. I'm curious to hear uh, more from you just on, you know, you had these friends that you grew up with in the same circumstances. What do you think it was that really drove you to succeed? And given, look, I, I get it. Some of them had some bad luck, hung out with the wrong people, but, you know, you really had a great opportunity. Uh, and I, I'm just curious, you know, what makes you different or what do you think uh, made your path a little bit different and allowed you to get to where you are? And I'm going to give you the like honest to God answer. Right. And now for some people, this may turn, turn them off and that's totally fine. What I'm about to say is not for everyone, but for the people who it's for, um, I think you really resonate with it. Growing up, I thought I had the misfortune of being, you know, unpopular, uh, not the greatest, you know, athlete and all of the things that you desperately want when you were a kid. I didn't have that. Um, I wasn't the greatest athlete. I played three sports in high school, sat on the bench on all three of them. So I wasn't like I wasn't good. You know, I, I wasn't the most popular kid by any stretch of the means. And, you know, I got made fun of, picked on, bullied, beat up, jumped, um, you know, a lot of those things. And I, I kind of had this breaking point where I said, you know, through a course of events, and I got to some very low points, very depressive, very suicidal points of I'm just a loser. My life is not if like if this is what life is, I don't want to be a part of it, you know. But then I got to the point that I said to myself, you know what? I genuinely I I want to prove all of these people wrong. I all of the people who made fun of me, all of the people who, you know, all the girls that said no to me uh, when I asked them out and, you know, all the people that made fun of my clothes or the holes in the bottom of my shoes. I wanted to one day be in a point where they'd be like, yo, Aurel, this is what Aurel's doing now. Aurel made it. So, you know, I wish I could say that my, my passion to succeed really, you know, the genesis of it was from a very positive place. But it was really from this place of I want to prove you wrong that I'm not good. I want to like I'm going to do everything in my power to make the bullies who bullied me one day like and again, this is not necessarily the right the greatest thing in the world, but like in my head I would imagine them like having a horrible adult life and me having this awesome life and they would find me and I didn't even know about social media back then, but they'd somehow find me and be like, <laughs> "Oh, snap. Look at little around. Well, like, you know, he changed it and I held on to that. So I really turned my frustration into my fuel. And then eventually, you know, that was the imagine a, um, as an analogy, if you would, a spaceship uh, being launched into space. That was the jet fuel that kind of started that like that was the like that that energy that makes you want to scream and punch the wall. I, I transmuted it into something that would be positive, reading personal development books, success books and, you know, doing what you're doing, interviewing people. And that was the, the few that got me started. And then it eventually became replaced with a much more pure, much more positive. You know, what I can possibly do in the world is so much bigger than just me. And if this thought is inside of me to help people, if this thought is inside of me to give I have to take that responsibility. So it, it eventually became replaced with a lot more positive. But that frustration in the fuel thing is still inside of me. I still, like, I almost have to look for reasons to, you know, I, I, sometimes I even make it up in my head that there's someone out there that's doubting me, that thinks I'm not, not, I'm not legit. And I got to prove to them that they're wrong. 
and that works for me. I, you know, that competitive drive really has become a part of, of who I am. So I find ways to become competitive. I have my friends are way more successful than me, and at first I hated it, but then it becomes. I want to be at the table with these guys. I don't want them to look like they're a mentor reaching down and helping me. I want to say, okay, you reached out and helped me, but now I'm at the table and I want you to be coming to advice to me about something. Um, so it's just, you have to find the motivation wherever it comes from for you. You know, if, if someone's like, oh, I don't like that. I'm more about rainbows and unicorns and all that jazz, like do it. But like sometimes you got to be like, you know what? That boss that fired me, I want him to realize he made the absolute worst decision he's ever possibly made. That girl that dumped me, that boy that dumped me, I want them to realize that they'll never find someone who's as dedicated as I am and use those what a lot of people would call breaking points and turn them into breakthrough points. Well, I, I hear a really cool thing from you is that you know, at first using that motivation from external sources, right? Like you want to prove that person wrong, but... You also mentioned, you know, you you create something up, which I think works for the opposite. So for people who are looking at this, they're like, well, I don't do that. But think about it for a second. When's the last time you had that voice in your head that said, you know, I can't. So it doesn't have to be a person that you like, you know, wish ill upon. But at the same time, you can almost tell that voice in your head, like, screw you. I'm going to go do this. And that is so that's so powerful, because when I read um, Eckhart Tolle's book, and I finally got that concept that like when he said in his book, I can't live with myself. And he's like, well, wait a minute, who's with and who's myself? Like I, my, those are two separate things. So now you actually, um, I've actually, <laughs> we were talking about this earlier about like going to the gym and working out. So Will Smith has this great um, uh, interview online. It's, uh, you can find it. It's like running and reading. And he basically says there's that voice in your head when you're running that says, I can't do this. I, I, I got to quit. My lungs are about to pop. I got to get off. And he's like, if you can learn to beat that voice, you then become unstoppable. So a lot of the times, actually, I do things like purposely, like I'll go, I went 50 days recently without eating sugar at all, just to prove to myself that I could, that that voice inside of my head saying you can't, that I could. So I think it's very powerful to find wherever that motivation needs to come from, even if it's the, you know, the reptilian brain or the, you know, negative part of your, your personality, which we, every single one of us has, literally start like beating it up and like making that good part of you, the strong part of you. For most of us, that negative thought we actually think is who we are. And then that becomes the strongest part. And that's one of the biggest uh, fallacies of thinking that, that people can truly have today. That's, that's an absolutely amazing lesson to learn. And for everybody listening in, you know, I, I'm really excited to hear that from you because I don't think we've really brought that up in many of the other interviews that we've had here. I'm curious to hear a little bit more about uh, the art of likability and you know, what it means to be a likable person and where that takes you and what that does for you and you know, what people can do to, to become that person. Yeah, so you know, I'm I'm a huge believer that um, there's a phrase that we all know, and it's an antiquated phase, uh, antiquated phrase. So you know, I, I I'm gonna say this, and I bet you virtually everyone's gonna finish it, right? It's not what you know, it's who you know, right? We've heard it a thousand times. That's an antiquated phase, uh, phrase. You're saying phase, phrase. What I really believe is the 2.0 version of that is it's not what you know, and it's not who you know. It's who knows you and who likes you. And the question that I'll pose to most people is think about you know, some of your best business deals. Think about your job if you're currently employed. Uh, I'm willing to bet the lion's share of the people who are employed, had a great opportunity, they did not get that job through a job posting. 
uh, they didn't get it through a Craigslist ad or something like that. Typically, someone who knew you said, hey, I think you would be a good fit. Or, hey, I think I need to uh, introduce you to this person. I think this is like, so usually the best things in the world are kind of like passed down through this like secret handshake, this like connection of people. Um, every single business that people look at, like when they say like Verizon, like there are people that run Verizon, right? There's a CEO, there's a human that if you connect with, you may be able to get a huge contract with them. So really realizing that people really go out of their way to help people they like. And, and for clarity, and I always have to say this because I think a lot of people have a misconception about likability. It's not about a popularity contest. Um, you can't not have good content and be likable and think you're going to succeed. You know, you have to, today, I think, you know, you have, as a core, you have to be very, very good at what you do. And until you get good at what you do, likability will be nice, but that's, you know, the frosting without the cake. But once you, you know, you put in the hours and you, you understand your craft and you're good at it and you work at it, and then you layer on being a likable person, building relationships, knowing how to get in with people in the right way, knowing how to do things so that people want to go out of their way to help you, that puts a moat around you as a professional that competitors won't be able to touch. You can literally tell everybody your marketing plan, everybody what you do, and they still won't be able to replicate it. They still won't be able to outdo you because likability is, and, and with the podcast, The Art of Likeability, and with our blog post, we literally show you step-by-step step how to do those kind of things. So you can anyone can do it, but it's so intangible if you don't know how to do it that it, it's not replicatable. And that's what really is um, powerful about the concept and I think why it's such a game changer for people. And I'd love to, we can jump into some like specific things people can do as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I just thought it would be cool here to bring up an example uh, just from in my own personal life. The reason why I quit my job at Apple was actually, uh, and I've told a couple people this story and they've heard it on our podcast a few times, but you know, I was uh, working in the store like any other day and somebody came in and, you know, when you work at Apple and you're in a customer service role, people don't come in and say, I love this, right? They come in and say, it's broken. It's your problem now, right? And this lady came barreling into the store and was like, all right, like you need to fix this. And I was like, okay, do you have an appointment? Because we worked off of, you know, you schedule a time to come visit us at the Genius Bar. No. And it instantly just from there exploded. You know, it's one of those situations where you're like, well, that went downhill fast. <laughs> and, you know, so she's yelling and screaming at me and I kind of gotten numb to this because it just happens all too often. And out of the corner of my eye, as the like plainclothes security guys coming over to take her out of the store, I see on the other side, actually one of my freelance clients like witnessing this whole thing go down. And I knew he was extremely successful. Uh, he started, you know, a real estate school. Uh, he's got a couple other businesses. Very, very successful guy. And um, actually a good friend of Bill Glazer, one of my former employers before I worked for Apple. Um, but he comes over, he's like, what was that about? And I said, that's my job. <laughs> and he was like, what are you doing for dinner tonight? I was like, I don't know. I get off at seven. He said, all right, I'll see you back here. And, you know, he, he took me to dinner and I think that it kind of goes back to that likability factor because this is where I thought I'm just having dinner with somebody because I've had a crappy day. And he actually gave me a whole talk for about two hours on how I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to start a business and start living the way that I want it to. And I think that doesn't come without likability. So exactly. He wanted to he 
it was connected to you and he wanted to see you succeed that and if he's a successful person two hours is time is his most valuable like hands down his most valuable resource for him to take time away from his family from his business because he wanted to you know kind of breathe life into you there's you don't do that for someone that you don't like you you just won't you know so it's important that that could have been one of the most important decisions in your you know adult professional life and it doesn't happen by chance it doesn't happen by accident and what we try to do or what we do at the art of likability is show people how to move it from being a genetic lottery thing someone just i don't know why i'm likable people just like me and it like some people are totally lucky and i wasn't i had to learn specific measurable actionable phrases things positioning body language tonality and it'll be like all those things that other people might get naturally so i can kind of codify it so i can use that process and anybody can learn it just like playing the piano or editing video it's a learnable skill and once you can become more conscious of it you can take more action and then you can have almost by it almost might seem by accident, but in reality, you'll have way more conversations like that. You'll have way more interviews. You'll have way more connections with people. And, and at the end of the day, um, you know, one of the things we say at every single one of our podcasts is, you know, if you don't want success and happiness, like this is the wrong podcast. And I honestly believe relationships, you have all the money in the world, but if you don't have good relationships with people, it sucks. And if you have good relationships with people and no money, you still have a good life. You know, when I heard, um, I think it was, um, I think it was Sean Stevenson, um, Sean Stephenson maybe, um, who said, you know, you hear these stories of uh, uh, like, uh, um, like stockbrokers who make all this money and then they lose their money and then they kill themselves because they can't deal with it. But you never hear that story about someone who works in a soup kitchen. You never hear that story about the person who volunteers and have meaning in their life. Like they don't have that same type of despair inside of them because their relationships are so valuable. And when you have good relationships, you become a wealthy, wealthy human being. And they're doing things for others. And uh, one of the cool things about this summit, just for everyone listening in, is actually uh, Sean's wife, Mindy Kniss, uh, actually is on this summit. She has participated. We have an interview with her. Really cool person to check out as well. So uh, I'm really happy that you brought him up, and he has a lot of great content as well. Uh, so Sean, if you're watching too, we'd love to chat with you as well. <laughs> but I, I'd love to hear you know, about... like. I'm guessing I probably had a little bit of luck and picked up certain mannerisms and things over time that are involved in becoming likable. If I hadn't, that event probably wouldn't have occurred. Uh, You know, what are some of the things that you talk about and how people can can do this for themselves? Right. So I'll say one thing. There are the uh, I on our podcast, we talk a lot about the specificity of things. I am going to presuppose and I can only presuppose you have a good heart. You don't care about manipulating people. You genuinely want to see others succeed. You genuinely want to help the world. Like all of those things have to be presupposed because really the only difference between influence and manipulation is intent. So, you know, before we jump into any of these strategies, it's important that this stuff works, right? Like if everything I'm about to tell you, it will work. But if your intent is bad, if you're like, oh, I know how to manipulate people, you become the used car salesman. Now, the used car salesman does sell cars, but you know what? People don't like that person afterwards. They feel dirty afterwards. They feel like, yes, I did it, but now I'm resentful and remorseful or or whatever. So if 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 your intent or your heart and you know people say oh a lot of people who teach you know charisma or likability they say things like you know be a good person and care about the other person these and that's all true. But then it's okay how like 
how do I be a good person? Like people don't necessarily ask that question. They say, oh, well, just be a good person. How do I do it? So there's some very simple things people can do. Um, we, we call it the art of likability high five. So there's five S's that we, um, that we teach. And, and you know, I do keynotes on this stuff to corporations, to businesses, to entrepreneurs. And there's five categories. And there's like thousands of things subcategorized under these. But there's five. The very, very first simple thing is smiling. Um, there's a lot of psychological studies that show the, the power of someone who smiles versus someone who doesn't. So um, one of the things I recommend people doing as kind of the kindergarten version of this, and we'll go into the PhD stuff, but the kindergarten version is lock yourself in a bathroom and smile in a mirror and see what is the best smile for your face. Okay. So, now, some people smile best with uh, just one row of teeth showing. Yeah. Some people smile with the, um, uh, a space between here like, like that. Uh, some people like, you know, two smiles. Some people, you know, I do like, the one row of teeth. <laughs> right. So everyone has a different smile that's best for their face. If you're ever someone who, when they take a picture of you, you always hate looking at yourself. You're like, oh, don't, I don't want to say I hate the way I look in pictures. It's simply because you haven't figured out what's the best smile for your face. So you can go to it immediately. So if you know what is the best smile for your face, if someone says take a picture, you can just turn your smile on and you're, and you're ready to go. So very few things um, uh, to, to keep in mind about your smile. One, it has to feel comfortable on your face because if you start smiling like this and then like it's not real. Um, two, uh, I think Tara Bank calls it smizing. Like you, have to, you have to smile with your eyes. So a genuine heartfelt smile is actually going to give you um, crow's feet right here. So you see that like uh, little action right there? Yeah. I'm going to have deep, deep Richard Branson crow's feet, and that's <laughs> a good thing. Um, and not only should you work on your smile, but this is, this is the key to it, the reverse side of it. People, and this is crucial, people assign to you the feeling that you give them when they're with you. Okay? People assign the feeling to you the feeling you give them when they're with you. So if I make you smile, if I make you laugh, you, if I make you feel important, you're going to think I'm important. You're going to think I'm a smiley person. You're going to think I'm a funny person because of how the state of being that you're in. So what you always want to do is find a way in every interaction to make somebody smile. Uh, it could be as simply as, again, smiling back. So we're receptors. So if I smile at you, you'll smile back at me. The other thing is to do a genuine compliment. They say, hey, how's everything going? You look, you've been working out. You, you tell you've been working out. You've been working out. You know, and they go, oh, you know, I mean, but obviously be genuine. Like if they don't look like it, don't say it because it might be sensitive. <laughs> but whatever it is, find a way to, you know, do a smile. I always like to think of, um, I try my best to do something, uh, think of something that's personal. You know, people get so, what do you do for a living? I never, ever lead with that in a conversation ever. It's the worst. If you're listening to this, if this is the only thing you take from it, you'll appreciate your rest of your life. Never ask someone what do you do for a living? Ever. Let that come up in a conversation, which it eventually will, but don't be the person that brings it up because people generally, it's annoying question. So instead, ask them, my go-to question is, what's one thing new and exciting? Mm -hmm. uh, so what's one thing new and exciting? Let them go wherever that takes them, right? So that might be, oh, and they're, they're guaranteed to smile if something's new and exciting. You know, I was just having a conversation with you and you were telling me about um, the work you did at House of Cards. 
Now I'm a huge House of Cards fan. So I was like, oh, man, like I genuinely was interested in it. and I wanted to talk about it. And, you know, one, I'm generally interested. So that helps. And that's another thing we teach about become interesting by being interested in people. But for you to talk about the House of Cards experience was an awesome experience for you. So it brings back all these positive uh, memories. It floods you with positive endorphins. You'll hopefully smile as you tell it. So I'm winning because I'm gaining great information. You're winning because you're getting to share something that's, you know, uh, awesome and important and we now you know have something that we're connected with and that had nothing to do with this actual uh, interview that we're doing so it's very important for you to not only have a good smile but focus on how do you get others to smile and typically you can do that by focusing on something that's of personal interest to them again new and exciting is a great lead into figuring out what that is for that person awesome so we've got smiling is a big one i actually i can relate to that because i know that like being a videographer i'm not used to being on the other side of the camera so mm-hmm. like when they're taking family pictures and stuff like i've got to think about you know am i smile because you're you're always kind of forcing it right like they're like all right everybody <laughs> smile they're not like saying something to you know make right, you laugh right. so you gotta be like eh, you know you gotta like feel for it a little bit so that's right. i think that's a really cool example uh you know stand in front of the mirror for a little bit and really figure out how to be comfortable in your own skin. What are, just so we can hear the, I know we can't go over all of them, but just what the five S's are real quick, just for everybody listening. Yeah, absolutely. And I actually have, uh, and I can give this to your listeners. Yeah, that would be awesome if you have a free resource yeah, or something that people can check out. And- so there's a, this, it's on the back of my business card here, but, um, but I have a, 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 a PDF version that people can print out and put up. Uh, card size versions or whatever. So I'll I'll make this available for your um, for your listeners. And what I, what I like to tell people is, if you are in sales or if you're in leadership role and you're by the phone, to have this uh, just kind of somewhere. And it's literally a mental checklist. Like literally, you go down each one of them, and if you hit all five of these, and you can do it within a matter of like thirty seconds. Right. Uh, but as long as you hit all of these, you'll be good. So the five S's are smile. The second one is special. Uh, I want you to imagine that everyone is wearing a sign that says, make me feel special. So every single conversation with someone, you have to make sure that person feels special. Like they are the VIP, the, the like, you know, they're the best thing in the world. And there's tons of things you can do. Presence is a very simple thing. Just make sure you're not talking to them while you're on your phone. Look at them. You know, and there's a lot of things we can go into about being special. Um, three is satisfied. Uh, deliver on your promise. If you say you're going to do something, this is it seems so simple, but it blows my mind how many people don't deliver on their promise. If you don't become someone who's impeccable with your word, if you're not somebody who does what you say you're going to do, because every single interaction, like every single phone conversation, every single sales call, every business meeting, there's an exchange of information that has to happen. There's something that I need to do to satisfy the reason why this conversation is happening. So make sure whatever it is, you're delivering on your promise. The fourth one is sincerity. You have to really realize that you can do all of this stuff, but if you're not authentic, if you're not truly care, um, I'm going to sense it. And what's cool about the human brain, human brain is such a sophisticated um, just biofeedback thing. So there's this great example that someone once told me about how the mind actually uses something called the reticular activating system or the RAS. And what that does is that focuses out all of the stuff that your mind doesn't need to focus on and focus on the thing we do need to focus on. So here's a simple example of it. You know, you're sitting in your chair right now. You probably have not been paying attention to how your butt feels in your chair until maybe I mention it. So now that I mention it, your awareness gets brought to, well, how am I sitting on my left cheek or my right cheek? Am I sitting on both? Like, you know, how's that? 
And as I say that, you probably haven't been thinking at all about your eyes blinking. But now that I talk about, okay, eyes blinking, just by saying it, you then become conscious. Are my eyes feeling a little dry? How many times am I blinking? Oh, look, I just blinked. And now you're focusing on that. And then, I, and then you probably are not focusing on your microphone right now or the uh, you know, soundboard that's behind you. And as I'm now mentioning all of these things, you've probably totally forgotten about how your butt feels under your chair yep. until I now bring <laughs> it back to you, right? So basically, um, the reticular activating system gets rid of all the things we don't need. So how does that, what does that mean to you? When you're talking to somebody, if you're not truly engaged, if you're not truly authentic, they'll pick up on it. It's like when you watch a movie and like, you're trying to figure out who the villain is and you don't know, and then the villain does like this like sly look and you go, oh, that's the killer, that's the, ki- that's the guy, because it's like this little itty bitty, uh, and great actors obviously have mastered this, but that little itty bitty you know, squint of the eye or tonality change, you go, that person doesn't sit well with me. It's like so, in poker, it's like your tell. It's your tell, exactly. And no matter how good you are, no matter how well you learn all the things that you know, we teach or what you learn on your own, if you're not coming from a place of true sincerity, people will pick up on it. So if when you're talking to me, I'm thinking about something completely different, but I'm going, uh-huh, yeah, okay, you know I'm not, you, you know I'm not engaged. And, and you know, I know ladies and my wife hits me with this all the time when I'm not doing it. If you're speaking to your significant other over the phone and they're texting or watching ESPN highlights or something, they know. Yeah. They can't see you, but they know. Um, So the sincerity is important. And then the fifth one is standards. You have to acknowledge the best in others and in yourself. If you get into the habit of setting high standards and expectations for people, acknowledging them frequently for others and for yourself, you'll put yourself in a very good position. So smile, special, satisfied, sincerity, and standards. Those are the five things that if you apply and there's thousands of things that go under those, it'll absolutely change your life. That's super cool. And so you have a resource online where everybody can get access to that. And they can, you said they can download like a PDF version of that. Is that right? Yeah. So what I'll do is I'll, um, I'll make that link available. I'll, I'll email it to you. Is there going to be like show notes or something where people can uh, click on it? Yeah. After the summit, we're going to send out an email with everybody's link so we can make sure that it goes in there. Perfect. So I'll make sure that the, the piece. So if you or if you're interested in that to have that reminder and it's got um, all of the, uh, the like subcategories and stuff there um, with it, um, be happy to make that available because it's very helpful. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's really neat. And I, I can honestly say that I haven't learned anything like that out of the 36 people that we brought on the summit given everybody's teaching awesome stuff but like this is really cool to learn from you and i I don't think we've really talked about the topic of likability and where it can lead you and where it can take you to so that's really amazing and so thank you for sharing that um you know this has been really great learning experience uh there's I'm sure lots more to check out. You've got a podcast, you have uh, speaking engagements, a lot of things going on. Where's the best place for everybody to keep track of, of you and where they can find that podcast? Absolutely. So you go to our website. It's artoflikeability.com. Um, on the website, we've got the podcast. You can go to iTunes, type in Aurel Moody or Art of Likeability. The good news too, and I'll share this with everyone, I literally... Arel Moody, A-R-E-L-M-O-O-D-I-E. I'm the only one with that name in the world, <laughs> right? So I'm sure you have a very similar situation where Same no boat. one has your name, right? So if you Google my name, uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, like I'm the only one that shows up with that name. So if you have any questions, and I say this to people and it's almost like a dare, like I dare you to reach out to me and watch me respond to you. Because most people say, oh, reach out. And then they, ever, they don't actually care if people reach out or they don't care to respond. I respond to every single 
message every single inquiry if I can help in any way. I generally am doing this because I like helping people. So reach out to me with anything. If I can help, I will. If I can't, I'm not going to BS you and tell you I can. And I'll try to point you to a place that can be of help. That's awesome. Well, thanks for taking you know some time out of your day. I know that I had reached out to you and right away you got back to me. You're like, hey, I'm totally down. So you know, I, I really respect that about you. And so for everyone listening, definitely reach out to Arel and be like, hey, what's going on? Heard this video you know, where you're talking and uh, I really learned a lot. And if you guys want to learn more about where he is and what he's doing in the world, definitely hit him up on Twitter or Facebook or wherever. So cool. uh, thanks for being here. And uh, we'll, yeah, man. we'll have to catch up again soon and see where things are at. And I, I just want to say that, um, you know, I appreciate you putting this all together. Um, and I just want to leave people with this last thought. And this is just a, uh, a personal mantra that I'm sharing with y'all. And I, I hope that you don't mind me sharing this. That, yeah, go ahead. You know, this interview and all these other 36 people, these interviews won't change your life. But the application of this information will change your life. So don't think a lot of people get this endorphin high, this rush from doing something that's personal development. Like, oh, I just listened to this podcast or, oh, I just went to this online virtual summit and they get this rush of endorphins because they feel like they're changing their life. But in reality, nothing has changed except you've wasted an hour of your life. But if you then take that information and specifically look for how can I apply one thing right now, today, not like tomorrow when I have time to think about it, like I'm a very big person taking immediate action. If you can figure out how to do that, that's how your life will change. So I don't want people to get caught up in being one of those individuals that listen to hundreds of podcasts, go to thousands of seminars, read millions of books, and their life is completely the same because they're addicted to the endorphin high of personal development and not addicted to the work behind it. So if you apply this stuff and all of these great speakers and all these great interviews that you're seeing, your life will change. If you just listen to it, nothing will change. That, I think that's an awesome mantra. I mean, it, it makes you the difference between a entrepreneur and an entrepreneur. You know, it's, it's <laughs> right. you can want the money, the success and the freedom that it gives you. But until you actually take action, it, it's not going to take action. And so thanks so much for spending some time with us today. And uh, we'll definitely talk to you soon. All right, I look forward to it. Give me a high five, man, virtually. All right, man. (laughs) Hey, everyone, it's Zeph. Did you like this episode? Be sure to subscribe so that you can tune in next week and tell a friend about the show. If you want access to free training and exclusive interviews on success, happiness, lifestyle design, and adventure, visit me at yearofpurpose.com. Until next time, go out and let life surprise you so that you can live a life rescripted.